All right, everyone. Uh, well, welcome back to the podcast here. It's the first episode that I'm not wearing my Croatian checkers, unfortunately. I'm repping the In-N-Out California t-shirt. I'm in Brussels at the moment, just for a few weeks before I go back to Croatia, so I don't have my, my whole wardrobe here. But uh, we've got a great episode ahead of us here. We've got Jessica Julian, who is our special guest for this episode. And she just recently wrote a children's book, although she might have something to say about that description. Um, called Ebi the Magnificent, which takes place completely entirely in Croatia. And oh, there it is on the screen. Yeah. Show, show that again and say something because sometimes it won't pan to you unless you speak. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is uh, this is my book, Ebi the Magnificent, and it takes place entirely in Croatia. Awesome. That's a beautiful looking cover. Uh, we're going to get a little bit into that. We're going to talk some other Croatian related things. Uh, should be a good one. Jessica, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so very much for asking me. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, just to start us off, let's learn a little bit more about you. You know, if you can give us sort of a little bit of your background and your connection to Croatia. Um, okay, well, I was um, born in Utah uh, in the United States of America. Um, I uh, then grew up in New Mexico and uh, went to uh, to law school in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then after I finished uh, getting my law degree, I moved up to Vancouver, Washington, which is right on the border uh, between Oregon and Washington state, way over on the Northwest corner of the United States. So most people think of America, as you know, in terms of California, maybe Texas and New York and maybe Florida. We are completely up uh, as far away from Florida as you can get and as pretty much as far from New York as you can get. Um, I practiced law for 25 years. Uh, I had my own practice. And um, during uh, the last 15 years of it or so, um, when I had my own firm, we specialized in elder abuse cases. So uh, we helped law enforcement and adult protective services protect the elderly from abuse of financial, physical, emotional abuse. And after um, 24 years really uh, of practicing law, um, I decided to retire and um, enjoy my life. Um, and and uh, incredibly fortuitously, I met the most wonderful man in the world uh, who happened to be Croatian. And his name is John Yurtinovic. And he was born in um, uh, Rijeka, was where the hospital was, but he was from a small little village uh, called Drivenik, which is in the Vinodol, uh, in the Gorski Kotar region of Croatia. So we're way far um, uh, near the coast. Uh, and we uh, got married about 11 years ago. We'd been dated for two when we got married. And... Um, since then, um, we have both retired and we now um, divide our time pretty equally for the last, um, I'd say eight or nine years, we divide our time equally between Croatia and uh, the United States and Vancouver where we live, uh, Vancouver, Washington, um, where we live by um, going back and forth every three months. And uh, my husband and I, um, uh, bought his mother's uh, ancestral home 
Uh, and so we have been just living the life and going back and forth between the two. That's awesome. You mentioned to me off the camera that um, it's sort of opposite of the usual season. You know, when the tourists come, you guys are, are leaving Croatia. And when they're leaving, you guys come back. You know, Absolutely. Do you like the peace and quiet a little bit better? <laughs> we do. We, um, as you probably have experienced yourself, if you're in Croatia in the summer, there are two things that are you're guaranteed to experience. One is a lot of tourists, very crowded beaches, crowded roads crowded everything number one and number two a lot of heat and i um i just you know that my age now i just prefer it to be cool so we come back here uh to washington when and actually um it's the best time of the year to be here in washington state because we get a lot of rain a lot of clouds i mean we can be socked in for you know a month uh, just with clouds. And so uh, when the summer comes is the perfect time to be outdoors and hiking. And uh, we just live in an amazing place, wonderful nature here. So we prefer to be here in the summer and, and let the uh, all the tourists enjoy Croatia without us. Yeah, it can definitely get crowded and definitely gets hot. And especially when it's crowded, like in Dubrovnik, for example, when, when you're there on, you know, the main strado in the street and the cobblestones and you're like packed like sardines in there and you got the sun beating down Oof, yeah definitely can get uh can get crowded so it's nice that you're able to have the best of both worlds there um, yes yeah i want to ask you about a story that that i read about um it's it's about a goulash cooking competition in croatia can you sort of talk about what that was and sort of the history behind that and how you ended up involved in that well, so um, as most villages and probably bigger cities, I don't know, have every year, we have a saint, a saint day, um, the saint that our uh, church in Brivenik is named after is, is Sveti Duyam. And so every year on uh, his day, which is sometime in May, um, they have a big cottage competition, is, which is where they cook goulash outside um, uh, over an open fire and you it's a timed event and it's a competition so in 2015 we went and attended the first uh the first time we went my husband and i went and actually attended the competition itself and it's so much fun. Uh, there are teams from all over Vinodol, and I think probably some people come from other regions to compete to see who makes the best goulash. And um, it was so much fun. And there is uh, wine and rakia and uh, sparkling water for the people who like to mix their wine, which is a very odd thing, by the way. Um, although it does uh, build in um, some extra time before you get completely drunk. So um, anyway, uh, we went to this competition. It was so much fun. And um, the next day we met, for the first time we met one of John's cousins who lives there in Brivenik um, and his wife, Manuela. And Manuela was at that time, one of the very few people who spoke English. And I, my, my Croatian is sadly wanting um, 
And so when I met her, I just bonded her immediately. I just glomped onto her and I said, we should compete in next year's competition. Um, and so she agreed. And so the next year was 2016, I think. We, uh, we decided we would uh, compete. And um, it was actually a uh, historical moment in Vinadol. Probably nothing greater has happened in Vinadol since we comp competed for goulash because we were the first women to compete. So since the beginning of time, it was a man only competition, which is kind of funny to me, uh, considering the fact that um, I don't think these men cook at home very much. <laughs> and um, so uh, they were very, the men of the, in the region were, were very upset and um, uh, uh in a, in a fun sort of way. I mean, it wasn't, nobody tried to kill us or anything, but there was a lot of disparaging comments about what are, what are you women doing here in this, uh, this goulash competition? And so, um, yeah, we, uh, we went there and, um, I had never, I had never cooked goulash before. I think that's important to point out. I practiced twice before the competition and, um, uh, I was the designated uh, chef for it, and Manuela was my sous chef, and she helped me cut everything. And and then uh, we had um, another woman, but she wasn't really able to to um, participate much because she had to work. But when she got off work, she came and stirred the pot for us, and we competed. And I don't want to tell you what happened because I don't <laughs> want to do a spoiler alert. No Unless you want me to, okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. Was it good though? At the end, did it taste? Did everyone get to eat their own goulash? It, or? it, it was fantastic, and uh, it was eaten down to the last drop. Wow, that sounds delicious. Yeah. I'm getting hungry already, even though I actually yeah. have to say dinner, but <laughs> <laughs> can never pass up goulash. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome experience. That's like it the was. local. You know, everyone wants sort of that local village experience you know when you when you come to croatia especially you know those of us that have croatian roots and you know family in the village and you know that's really the what you want you know out of your if you're doing like a summer trip to croatia um you know anything like that even oh, there's, general there's nothing better there's nothing better than being able to connect with uh the people on their own on their own terms in their comfort zone which is why um we have, I mean, we just got back here to the United States. We're in the United States right now. It's about uh, almost noon and you're, it's time for you to go to bed practically. Um, and it is without exception, every time we leave Croatia to come here, we have a sense of sadness for leaving, but then we're so excited about being here because we do love our home here as well. And we know in three months, we're going to be back there. So it's like, it's never, it's never like sad. We're not, you know, we're not gnashing our teeth and tearing our, our clothes from sadness because we're leaving. And I think, to be honest, I think that's part of what makes it even more precious is the fact that we don't get, we never get tired of it. We never get tired of being there and walking into the, uh, into the, the house, it's an old stone house built uh, probably 100 and at least 140, 150 years ago. 
Um, and to, you know, that when you walk into the door and you have that smell of a stone house, it's just magical. And so anyway, I, I digress. No, no, not at all. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what we're here for, you know, on the podcast, but we're also here to talk about your book. And, you know, I'd like to get into that a little bit. Tell us about, you know, what's it called, first of all, and where did you come up with the idea for it? Okay, so this is my book, and it's called Evie the Magnificent, Tales of an Elusive Baby Bunny. And um, Evie, uh, this is the first book I've ever written, but I have been writing travelogues for about 25 or 30 years. I, I love to travel. So I have traveled um, all over the world. Uh, I don't know how many countries, 70, 80 countries wow. on every continent except for Antarctica. And um, so I, I started writing travelogues back in the days when they first started having internet cafes. And at the time it was dial up, it was slow. Um, I would be in India in a little smelly little room typing madly to um, share my adventures with uh, many of my friends, a couple hundred of my friends and clients, many who had never traveled. Um, and I wanted to give them a sense of what the rest of the world was like. And at the time when I was doing that, there was it was before there were digital cameras, or if there were, they were very expensive and we didn't have one. And, um, and there was no way at that time to actually uh, attach a photo to one of my episodes. So because of that, I had to learn how to, I developed a writing style that was very descriptive. So people um, felt like they were there with me. And um, I, a few years later, uh, we started getting digital cameras, but they were so, I mean, you'd be lucky if there were 12 pixels on it, um, or whatever those are called. And so, uh, slowly I started being able to, I never, it's still at that point, I wasn't able to incorporate pictures into my travelogues, but slowly, um, when I would get back home, I would then send some pictures, digital pictures over the internet. Um, and so they could see it after, you know, after the fact to say, oh, okay, this is where she was in Malaysia, or this is what the food looked like that she was eating in, uh, uh, I don't know, wherever, India. So finally, it came to the point where you could attach uh, digital pictures to the writing. And I started writing in a word format with on a PDF. And so again, for your younger listeners, they're probably absolutely bored to tears already, but that was a huge thing to be able to actually add a photograph to written word immediately as you were doing it and then to send it out across the world. So I started incorporating photos that I took um, in my travelogues and it was all episodic. So this is what I did today. And this is what, this is where we ate and this is what I saw. And then I would send that and it would go out to like three or 400 people. Um, and then 
I was never a blog. I was always doing it on a PDF format. And, um, and then when uh, I decided to retire from practicing law, it was about nine years ago, uh, my husband suggested that I take up a hobby so that we didn't kill each other with all of our free time. And so I started painting and um, I'm self-taught. I took no, did not go to school. I didn't, um, I just have always loved art. It was one of the first things I would do when we would go to a new place was to go to their museums and, and um, see what the masters did and go see those paintings in real life, you know, in Italy and wherever in Argentina, you'd go to their, their museums and you'd see all this wonderful art. And I always loved color. And so I uh, happened to be in Rovine, which is in Istria um, and met this amazing artist named Zoto, which is short for Zoran Todorovic. And he's from Makarska, Makarska. And um, I, his paintings were just amazing. I have a bunch of them here, but he specialized in still, still lifes, um, but he also did landscapes and other things. And um, I was so struck by his artwork, I asked him if he could teach me how to paint. And he said, I, I'm self-taught. I wouldn't know how to teach you. You know, other people might be able to, but not me. And I said, well, if you were going to give advice to somebody who wanted to learn how to paint, what advice would you give? And he said, pick up a paintbrush and paint from your heart. And so I took that to heart and I went and I bought some paints and I bought some uh, uh, paintbrushes and I started painting our furniture. We had a bunch of old um, uh, stools, you know, the wooden, little wooden square stools that they had all over Croatia um, and I just started painting them and I put grape leaves and flowers and all sorts of it and then I gradually started painting on canvas and I started getting better and better and um, so then I started painting the photos I took on our travels and I would incorporate my paintings into the travelogues this is kind of a long-winded story but then I started painting um, these. So my travelogue started becoming not only containing photos, but containing the paintings I did of the photos I took. And um, as a result, since we were in Croatia so much of the year, I, I painted a lot of scenes of Croatia. Um, and uh, I mean, if anybody, if anybody's listening to this podcast has not been to Croatia, put this podcast on pause and buy a ticket to go to Croatia. It is the most extraordinarily photogenic, beautiful place. They have the, the best clouds. I mean, I've been all over the world. They have the best sunsets and the best clouds and the cleanest cleanest water ever and, and dramatic, dramatic scenes of cliffs and um, castles and ruins. It's just a wonderful place. So anyway, I started painting a lot of scenes of Croatia and incorporating them into the, um, into my travelogues. And then the pandemic hit in March of 2020 and we could no longer travel. We were actually 
we had tickets to go back to Croatia on the 20th and I think on, or something like that. Um, and then on March 11th, they canceled our flight. So we were stuck homebound as was everybody else for like two years. And for me, that was um, a wonderful time because it gave me the opportunity to hone my painting craft. And I started writing Eddie the Magnificent. Um, because I couldn't travel anymore, I wanted to write a book about travel. And um, so that's, that's kind of the genesis of, of where the idea for the book came was um, the reason I put it in Croatia is because I love Croatia. Um, my husband and I have um, donated funds to our local school in uh, Drivenik. It's actually the school is in Tribile, which is the neighboring village, because um, for me, education is the most important thing in the world. And I'm not, it doesn't have to necessarily be school education, but to educate yourself and to become as um, knowledgeable as you can about as many things as possible was so important. And our little high school or uh, uh, school, it's like from kindergarten to eighth grade, John's mother went there. And we still have the little chalkboard that she had that she would write her homework on. And so we wanted to encourage the children of Vinadol to strive to be everything they could be. And so we donated money to that school and to buy smart, um, smart boards and computers and whatnot so they could learn, um, give them a leg up, uh, let them be able to learn technology at an early age from eighth grade on, you know, or I think is when they started it. Um, so I don't know where I'm digressing with this. I know where it is. So I wanted to write a book about Croatia so that the children of Croatia would have a book that took place in Croatia that had Croatian characters that was essentially my love letter to Croatia. So they, instead of, I mean, there are so many wonderful books in the world that you can read, but um, to have a book that they could call their own, that they could read and they could understand, you know, names like Darko um, and uh, uh, Nicola, names that they would recognize from either there was their own name or they were the names of people they knew somebody they everybody has an uncle darko right <laughs> um or stonko uh or marco or whatever and so that's why i put the book in croatia because first of all i um it's such a picturesque place and then second of all so that um so that they could have some ownership of it, of, of, a, of, a, of a real book. And this is not, this is, it's, it's technically, it's a, um, it's technically, it's a children's book, but I wrote it for children and adults. And it's not, it's a 256 page novel with about 80 full color paintings. And it's got a map at the beginning that my husband did and it's, I call Croatia the land of stones um, because in Gorski Kotar, where we live, 
You literally cannot throw a stone without hitting a stone. Um, oh. It is the craziest, stoniest place. How people have eked out a, live, a life there, I don't really know. And um, so we, uh, I call Croatia the land of stones and um, I included in it uh, some places that are other than Dubrovnik and Split where most people when they think, or Zagreb, most people when they think of Croatia, they think of those places. So instead, um, my book takes place in Sloon, which is out by the Plitvice Lakes and um, Rovine, which is in Istria, and then uh, Drivenik, because of course I had to. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Well, can you, we've got uh, only a couple minutes left, um, oh. actually, but can you give us a quick sort of description, you know, no spoilers again, of course, but of what the book is about? So the book is about this baby bunny right there, Ebby. Um, and uh, Ebby stands for elusive baby bunny. And she's elusive because from the moment she's born, she has this insatiable appetite to explore. She wants to go everywhere there is to go and see everything there is to see. And she has a pure heart. Um, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because during the pandemic, um, we, were, we were being force fed fear and division and um, it, from every source, uh, the news uh, articles, everything that you got was fear and death and dying and division. And I wanted to write a positive, uh, extremely positive book that um, encouraged people not to judge people by the color of their skin or their religion or uh, which village they came from. And so Ebby is, uh, she is the, the heroine of my book and she has the purest of hearts and she lacks she lacks the ability to judge others because she hasn't been taught to judge others. So every character she meets, regardless of whether it's a horse, a fox, humans, um, she meets uh, many different characters and she greets each one with the same degree of respect and admiration, um, regardless of where, what kind of tail they have. So uh, when I call it Tales of an Elusive Baby Bunny, I spelled it T-A-I-L-S rather than T-A-L-E-S because she meets creatures with every kind of tail and it doesn't matter. And so uh, this is, the book is unusual in that it is um, kind of analogous in terms of having characters that are animal and human interacting with each other but there is no violence, there is no cruelty, there are no orphans. There, this is not a Walt Disney book. This is not, this is not a tearjerker where you get to see Bambi's father killed at the beginning of the movie, and you don't see Dumbo's uh, mother in a cage. This is a happy, uh, a joyous book um, that teaches the importance of travel and of trying different things. So one of the characters is a fox and um, she wants to, she doesn't, she doesn't know what she wants to be when she grows up. And so she tries different things. And one of the lessons in the book is that 
that's fantastic. You should try different things. And you might not like everything that you try and you might not like the first thing you try, but you can reinvent yourself. And um, which is kind of my story as well. I mean, I was a lawyer and now I'm a painter and an author and I'm 57 years old. I'm not afraid to say that. And um, it's been the most rewarding thing that I've done in the last nine years. I won't say it's the most rewarding thing I've done in my life, but um, reinventing yourself is a wonderful thing to do. And um, the last nine years that I've been retired and reinventing myself into being a, an artist and a, uh, an author has just been fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. What sort of reception have you gotten? I know you were able to um, sort of do a showing at the local library there in the village um, in Srikvenica. Uh, and you were actually, what, the first person to sort of do a book showing in English there or not English? In English. I was the very first author to speak in English, to an English author. And my book is in English. Um, hopefully it'll be, um, if it does well here in the United States, I will have it translated into Croatian. Um, and the reception has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I have, I, I, I think this is an important thing to note. I had it printed in Croatia. So there is an amazing printer um, in Zagreb called Denona, and it's a family owned business and they, uh, they're, they're just incredible. And this book that they produced was is so phenomenally lovely it's full color and um it's got uh it's like an heirloom quality book it's padded the cover is padded it's in full color uh the the it's absolutely vibrant and beautiful and uh so to be honest when most people pick up this book and there's there's a, a scene it's it sells itself um first of all it has a very positive message and i think people are are looking for positive messages so number one is positive and then number two it's absolutely beautiful so i have had um it was kind of a lark uh, because i just joined facebook recently but it has resonated with um croatians especially expats people who have any sort of uh, love for Croatia um, have have just have been uh, eating this book up so it's it's been really fabulous oh that's awesome that's awesome to hear and that's cool that you, you got it printed in Croatia yes that's great um, Jessica where can people go who want to buy the book and also you know you can shout out if you have a website or any social media um, accounts to follow Okay, well, so this Croatian version, I ordered 2,000 copies and um, 1,500 of them are on their way to the United States right now. We, we put some in our luggage, but the only way you can get this uh, Croatian printed hardback version is through me. And my website is uh, uh, jwjulian.com. That's J-W-J-U-L-I-A-N.com. Um, my Facebook uh, author page is J.W. Julian Books. That's uh, all one word. My personal uh, Facebook page is Jessica Julian. And uh, that is 
that's how you, if, if you want to get a copy of this, this hardback version, that's how you get it. It's also available on electronic form and uh, in a print on demand form, which is Amazon's version of printing out it in a digital format, uh, but it's a hardback version um, and it's not, it's not nearly as nice as this version, which has, uh, you know, the map and it's, it's just a much better quality book. So um, if you want the hardback version, contact me and I will see what I can do. If it's outside of the United States, it may be difficult for me to get it to you um, without a, a great deal of cost on the postage, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's a wonderful book. And when I go back in September, um, if you're in Croatia, um, I'll be able to um, get it to you there because I do have some copies in Croatia. Awesome. Well, I'll include all those links as well in the description. So everyone listening, oh. listening right now can go ahead and, and click on those and contact you that way. Um, Jessica, that about wraps up You know what I had prepared for this episode. I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on and telling us a little bit about you, know, you and your husband's story and as well as the story that you wrote. And you know, I just want to say thank you for coming on the All Things Croatia podcast. Thank you so much, Danka. I really, really appreciate it.